You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back for another Tuesday morning episode. Grump, I was at the game yesterday, and now I am in Seattle, Washington for a work trip. So I had to get as far away from South Florida as I could possibly can be after that experience. Uh, It was rough. Um, it was hot as hell. The sun was in our face the entire time. And <laughs> I don't I, let's just let's just dive into it. And also, I'm going to preface this by saying I've had a couple of drinks. And for those of you who know, I can't drink that much anymore. I've had two drinks. I'm really ready to let it fly tonight. So let's go. And just, just to clarify, it's not can't drink. It's not allowed to drink. I'm not allowed my, because of my heart condition. I'm not allowed to drink anymore. I'm allowed to have two drinks a day. And I just had two old fashions really close together entertaining clients. So shout out to those who are with me tonight. Thank you for being new subscribers. Go Giants. But uh, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to join you there. So uh, really quickly before we jump into this Dolphins 31 Giants 16 game. I am going to crack open a Fort Nonsense beer without spilling it this time during this Just Giants game review of the Giants and Dolphins. Um, I'll be drinking this. Jeez, it really is. It's filled. You can't even see it, but it's filled above the, the line. It's crazy how filled this is. It's no wonder I spilled it last time. Sounds and like it, a deal. Sounds yeah, like a. Yeah. It is a good deal, and that's why you should go there, and because it's really good. The same reason you should tell friends to listen to this podcast. So let's let's get into it. Why don't you jump it? You were there, so you have a little bit. We both have different perspectives, but you're going to have a more intense one, I think. Yeah. I, you know, when you go down there to Miami or, you know, Florida or everything, there's a lot of New York fans. There's a lot of New Yorkers who transplanted. There's a lot of people who come down for the weekend like I did. Um, it was hot as hell, very humid, uh, very little. It's weird. They redid the stadium there. So like um, there's covering. It's kind of like a, a European soccer stadium where the, the seats are covered. But when the sun kind of creeps below it, the sun goes right in your face. And if you can see, my face is red. So um, it was kind of miserable conditions. And the conditions were not as miserable as the fate of this New York football giant team right now. Um, Grump and I never really – we prep for the show, but we never really give – our opinions or takes before the show. We wanted to be kind of fresh, but the one thing we did text back and forth last night was the question of, were we embarrassed or not? And, you know, obviously it's more embarrassing the state of this team right now, whether it's their fault or things beyond their control. Um, But we are in an embarrassing state at this moment. And, you know, the most embarrassing thing from the from this standpoint was Miami had the chance to really make this ugly. 
Miami had the opportunity at the end of the first half to punch in another touchdown and didn't. Miami took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter and they didn't. They still had 500 yards of offense after three quarters. Even though the score, we were only down by, I think it was seven before they kicked that field goal at the end of the first half. They just said, we'll just play a cool, kick a field goal. Why? Because this offense has no hope of scoring. And I understand it. I know who's hurt. I'm, I'm not a newbie. I'm not a sports radio call-in person. But the fact that we are in this situation right now is very embarrassing. And, you know, I don't know what we do the rest of the season. I mean, this season, for all intents and purposes, if you're thinking about playoffs or you're thinking about anything building on last year, is kind of over. And there's a, there's a huge question marks right now about, you know, the health of Daniel Jones and all these other things that this is a it's become a lost season. And I'm just very, I'm as down as I can be. Because you guys remember what I said before the season started. This is the first time in 35 years I was more excited about a giant season than a gator season. And right now, I'm not excited about the weekends. I'm looking more forward to working from Monday through Friday than doing my fucking football weekends. So that's a bit of a ramble. Um, but I am just... I'm done. I'm really numb at this point. So I'm going to, I'm going to temper this down a little bit so that there are, you're, you're right. So it's really the state of the team. That's embarrassing. What, what didn't happen on Sunday was an embarrassment. I don't think I didn't think that that game really truly was as embarrassing as I was bracing for it to be. When you really consider, when you really consider the situation they walked into and the way that they had been playing the weeks prior. Um, I didn't have a huge pro- I mean, this was the result that I think made sense. I, I think like if you just put it on paper, you'd be like, yeah, I, I get it. This, this, I, I could see that this yeah. is, this is a, you know, I, I just want to, I, I, I'm with you in that I'm numb. I with, I'm with you in that it's, it feels like lost season. I'm with you with everything that you said. But in in, in reviewing for this game, um, I you know like like Dan Duggan in the top of his piece said um, that it was a game that never felt close, and I just disagree with that flat out. Right. I mean, at the end of the first half, it was legitimately they 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 could have been down by one at the end of the first half if it weren't for a missed field goal, fifty five yards, and it ended yeah. at seventeen. To, look, look, look! I already know what you're gonna say, but dial it back. The sentence reads: "Never felt close. It was literally close, and not at the very beginning of the game. At halftime, well, at halftime, it was close." The beginning of the game, they did exactly what I wanted them to do. Go back and listen to the show from Thursday night, you know, Friday morning. They did the blueprint of what they wanted. I wanted them to run the ball. I wanted them to try to control the clock to keep their offense off the field. And for about a quarter, they did exactly that. All right, but, hang on, hang on. Do you want to get into the offense? Because I'm, I'm with you. So No, 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 I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, I never felt... In spite of what the score was, even though we were down by seven before the field goal at the end of the first half, even though we were down by two scores, it felt to me like 
getting those seven points or those 14 points or those 17 points was impossible. And that's why it felt like it never I, – I felt during this game like whenever Miami wanted to, they would just say, okay, regular offense, do your thing, and it would be out of control. Um, we – the one thing I will give this team credit for from other teams, other giant teams, other teams I, I, I follow was this team has not quit. This team is still playing hard. This team just simply right now does not have the talent to compete with elite teams, much less average teams. So, you know, the three turnovers, that's fantastic. You know, they're, they are trying their best. We have guys that are either rookies or backups or guys that shouldn't be in this league playing on this team, and they are trying their best. And that, to me, you know, makes me want to go watch next week, much less go to Buffalo next week. But it never, ever, ever felt to me, even though we were down by seven or 14 or two scores, we were going to catch up to this game. Never. Okay. So I know that it feels that way, but I also think that you probably didn't rewatch this game. I do not want to watch that game. No. Okay. So I think you're living in fantasy land a little bit. So let's get to this game in, in how, uh, in how the, this game was going to go, right? So this is a historic offense that the Dolphins have. In fact, they put it on the screen during the game. This is like the number two most points per game in a season right now. Um, this eclipses the 07 Patriots. So going into this game, the biggest struggle was always going to be, forget forget who's injured and who's not. Pretend everyone is on paper. The biggest struggle was always going to be, how do you stop this offense from scoring? They only scored 31 points. And you can say that they took their foot off the gas. You are really erasing out several drives in the first half. Three turnovers. Almost a, four, almost a fourth. Now, this is a defense that not only put points on the board, but it actually you know, uh, generated turnovers. It stopped them, forced punt. But... The offense only became a problem in this game when the injuries just completely multiplied and fell apart. Now, going into this game with the actual rosters that were going to play, this offense was going to be... I could have... The way they were playing, the way they were game planning games, the what they had to deal with, I, I think I guessed that we would score eight points in this game or something, like just pathetic. I had nothing to base that they would actually put an offense on the field. Man, the first half, they really had stuff working. And it had to be perfect in order to score every time. And they're just not capable of playing perfect right now. But from a game plan standpoint, exactly what you said before, they came out knowing how to play. They did not play conservatively. They did throw the ball on slants. They had people downfield for certain little packages. They did whatever they could to scheme things to work. In fact... They almost had a the where this game was seventeen to ten at half. It was fourteen to ten with I think like two minutes left in the first half. That happened after a Darren Waller dropped touchdown on exactly the kind of play I said that they need to start running if they're going to run all of this short stuff that everyone's jumping in front of and crashing down on. Then if you run a double move off of it, you can burn them, and it worked. 
Had that not been one of the best corners in the entire NFL covering Darren Waller on that play, I think that's a cakewalk touchdown. And they finally called it. And wouldn't you know, I would consider that play as a call, as a design, a success. That was just a great defensive play by Xavier Howard. That right there tells me they they were calling play. They were on the verge of scoring touchdowns here and there. That's way better, way better than what I was expecting going into this game. Way better than what I had thought. I don't know what you had expected from this offense now without John Michael Schmitz as well. And man, did they play musical chairs on the offensive line the entire day. I, I would say in this game, I'm giving a star to Matt Breda. Didn't have anywhere to run behind and still managed to make what he could out of what he had. Um, additionally, on offense, I'm not giving a star, but it's time I give a shout out to Eric Gray. They gave him legitimate offensive snaps. They legitimized his roster spot, really. Um, and I thought he looked pretty good running the ball when he could. He didn't look any worse than Matt Breda in the plays that went badly. I think that he had a better block than five offensive linemen on Christian Wilkins at one that, point. That was- that was huge. The block was big. And the block to me was kind of like the, you are justifying you are still on this roster by making a play like that. But he also, and again, is a, the biggest asterisk you can make in, in this universe, he still only averaged 2.1 yards a carry. That's nothing. No, it's not. And it's, so that's kind of what happened with this offense. Like, like I said, they had to be perfect in their execution in order to make this game, you know, work. And they were like very much like three positive plays, one super negative play. And that like statistically it erased everything that they did. If Like watching back on this, like Darren Waller at one point, they, I thought that they did a pretty good job on offense of running the ball and controlling the clock as best they could. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't have an offensive line that was going to let them literally control the clock. That was never going to happen. Um I thought that they involved Waller really well. They got him open. They schemed him into good situations, and he made the best of the situations he I, had. I have, a, I have a star for him. Yeah. I, do, I do have a star for him. I think, uh, what do you have, 89 yards on what? how many receptions? It was, it was pretty high. So, And it, it felt like for the first time this year that not only is he the focal point of this offense, he actually was doing things by being that focal point. So I gave him a star. Um, but again... I know, please, nobody compare our offense to Buffalo. Buffalo scored 41 points against that defense. We didn't score an offensive touchdown. There is somewhere in between 41 and nothing. I mean, I can't give any accolades or anything to this offense. What do you mean? It's not 41 or nothing. They did have all the field goals off of it, and they literally dropped the touchdown. And they were all super, super long. How long were those field goal attempts? They were long. One One was 37. There were no chip shots. There was a 51, 50-something yard. There was a 49. He missed a 55. Uh, But like I said, all of those times, like almost every one of those drives ended with like a seven-yard sack. So, yeah, they were like – but but what I'm saying is like had they just kneeled on third down, they wouldn't have been super long field goals. So that kind of – and again, like if you're if you're gonna say like, well, they did have a huge tackle for loss or sack, it's like, yeah, well, the offensive line problem, yes, I could have told you that would have happened. Oh, yeah, this we, still was better than I thought by of, a none lot. Of this, none of this criticism or, or aggravation from me is a result of coaching or the guys that are there. I mean, the guys that are there are doing the best they can. We have a this is one of the worst patchwork off, offensive lines I've ever seen with, with with this team or any other team. 
but you know, I can't get super excited for something that quite honestly just really wasn't much of anything. I mean, no, I mean, I'm not excited about anything, but yeah. it, in in game, I was a lot more excited than I was prepped to be excited. That whole first was, half was close. Yeah, it was close, you know, but again, we are thankful that finally this defense is causing turnovers, but that 102 yard touchdown an interception touchdown is a 14 point swing. I mean, in nine, but that, and that's a, sort of how it works though. Isn't it? I mean, like that's when you're playing an offense like that, it kind of is boom or bust. I mean, when you think about it, they, they ended the first half with only 17 points. I understand That's literally that. two touchdowns and one field goal from a his, historic offense. I mean, yes, it's a 14-point swing, but they also had two other turnovers and almost one other. They forced a fumble on Moster. It just went out of bounds. They were they were just bad in the red zone. They were bad. They, they made mistakes in the end zone, but they were gashing us. The running game was gashing us from 20 to 20. I mean, kudos, it was. To, the, kudos to the defense for playing well in the red zone, but they had 500 yards of offense in three quarters. That's, I, I, and again, the only stat that's going to matter is going to be the score. And remember, I, it was a two-score game. So and that's why I'm not embarrassed. I, I, yeah, this, I, this okay. Isn't a game, this isn't a game where, you know, if, if somebody who didn't watch the game or just watching SportsCenter at night is going to be like, oh, my God, the Giants were embarrassed, you know. Oh, my, they give up 70 points like, you know, Denver did. It's not, it's not on the, you know, transcendent, embarrassment level but they for a defense now that we're you know we are in our what 16 17 game at wink martindale we gave up 500 yards of offense you three quarters yeah but i mean look all i'm gonna say is if in the first half at any point mike mcdaniel made a decision because uh he felt like we couldn't score i would say that that would be bad coaching on his part because uh, uh, up until that point, that was truly – I mean, remember, like, Darren Waller dropped a touchdown. This could have been a one-point game at the half very I, easily. I felt like them – they had – I don't know how much time it was, like 50 seconds or 40 seconds by the end of the half. They deliberately were not trying to score because in my mind, I don't think it was bad coaching. It was like, I know their offense is not doing anything. Why would they deliberately not want to score? I think – they had a couple of turnovers already. I think they just were like, this team, this this offense is not scoring. Let's just kick the field goal and go into half. We're getting the ball back to start the second half. But if this was if this was a different team, a team with a competent offense, I think they're, they, they still have the pedal to the metal. I think they try to score on that. I really think they thought we will not be able to do anything on offense anymore and just take this the save three points and let's go back and start over again. Boy, that's fucking wild decision making being up only four points. It, it's ballsy. And I, I mean, that's not even ball. I don't even think that's. I don't. I don't see the upside in doing that. You start the second half with the ball. The upside is we'll just take the points. This again. I, this is what I think he was thinking because why would they just sit on and kick a field goal? There's no other logical reason for doing that, other than just let's just take the sure points. We've seen a half, I, of but I mean, offense. I don't know what you mean. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What I mean? He got sacked. But even well, look at what are the two or three plays before? There was no urgency in that final minute. 
I, get, I mean, he dropped back to throw and got sacked. I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you in that. I, I don't know why you think that. I, I because on that final again that final minute before the, the the third down play there was or whatever it was the second down play where he got sacked there was no urgency there was no two minute drill on that it was all just very we got three points in hand we're not gonna do anything foolish you know we, we we've had a couple of turnovers already let's just let's go into halftime and kick a field goal. I don't know. I think it's the opposite. I think they thought that they were going to cakewalk down the field, and then he got sacked, and they were forced to kick a field goal. Yeah, I, I mean, they. I, I agree that they were not, like, running up to the ball, but on, like, every single play on that drive, they were getting, like, 12 yards, it, it 15 yards, 13 yards. It certainly did not feel like a two-minute drill or, like, let's try to get— you know, but I don't think I don't think I I think you are overthinking that. I think what happened was is that they were in a rhythm. It was going very well, and then oh fuck! And they didn't really have the time because they were just walking up the line of scrimmage. They were forced to kick a field goal. I don't I think, think that they I, tempoed I they down. Had, I think they still had two timeouts left too, so they they weren't forced to do anything. Well, I, I guess I, so. I, but I mean, I really think. I mean, what do I, timeouts I, matter if you have no time? I could be completely wrong, but I I really think it was one of those. You know something? This this offense is not doing anything. Let's just take the points. Let's move on. And that's how I felt. That's how I felt. Even the, uh, the, the whole fourth quarter was. It was like we were only down two scores. This is a coach that ran the same trick play against the Broncos twice. I just don't see the basis for you arriving to this conclusion. I just saw what I saw on the field. I saw. I saw. But no, no, no. You you saw one without urgency. But you're drawing a conclusion that it was done. It was my. The... It, it's my opinion. <laughs> I, I I can't look into into his brain. That's well, just yeah. What, yeah. That's I don't know. I... That would be like almost fireable because if they lost this game and at any no. point that was like came forward, that's like that's like horrendous coaching. Hey, we, that is we, like the cockiest shit you could pull. We have seen arrogant, obnoxious ill-advised coaching from every coach in college in the NFL for dumb shit like this. You don't play with fire. I mean, if I'm a head coach, I, again, I am a disciple of C. Spurrier. It is you fucking crush somebody's soul in the first quarter. You go up big so there's no chance for dicking around. You know, don't ever give a team any hope at all. I never want to alter my game plan. If my game plan is going to work against you, my yeah. thought process is if you take the, your foot off the gas, you're just... You're just in, like you start playing not like you practice to play for this game. Don't do at the, that. At the start of the fourth quarter, this game was what we were. It was a two po- a two possession game. We're down fifteen, I think. Started the fourth quarter. I think so. They had twenty yards of offense in the fourth quarter against a defense that was, you know, again, when you're there, you don't realize this, or maybe they said it on TV. The visitors' um, bench is right in the sun. No, it, um, somebody else said that though. I mean, we were we were fine until halftime because we were sitting about 30 rows from the 20-yard line behind the giant bench. And up until halftime, the sun wasn't that much of a – it was warm, wasn't a real factor. That sun kind of dropped a bit after halftime right in our face. You can see my face. It's all red. That's in the second half. So you have a defense that's, you know, tired. A defense has been chasing an elite offense and stuff. They only had twenty something yards of, of of offense in that. I feel like the, the the foot was put off the gas on that too. I'll I'll agree with that in the fourth quarter. But by then, Daniel Jones got hurt, so that's that's true. Yeah. Well, then it's like you know, there's no point. Yeah. Possible. I mean, we were down two possessions. We weren't good to begin with, mm-hmm. and now we didn't have mm-hmm. a quarterback. So I I mean that the fourth quarter for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the de- well before we get to the defense. Let's I do want I want to talk about the offense 
Um, you know, we mostly talked about it. I thought they did a good job of running the ball in, in what they could. Remember, this is always under the, the cloud of in what they could. But they, what we wanted them to do, right, they right. did a great job running the ball. Because this has been the problem. My, my thought process was like, oh, fuck, you know, like the Seahawks game, you know, they played bad because they're hurt. It was like they were hurt and they played bad. This was different. Like they came in with a much better plan and they were more hurt in this game because what? they came in without John Michael Schmitz. Was Gary Brightwell inactive? I don't know if he was active or inactive. I got to be honest. When I watched this game live, I was already hammered. I so <laughs> my 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 friend's team is the Bills. I went to his house early for the London game at nine thirty. So I, we were we were as our friends across the pond would say, proper drunk for the for the Giants <laughs> game. So so I was um. I was in it with it, whatever, but, you know, the right. transition from that early game to the second game, I wasn't paying attention to shit. Like, I, I was there for kickoff, and I was proud of that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he was active or inactive, but... It was, I, it, was, I, it was surprising that Gray was in that next rotation of, of running back. He has what? to be. Look, let, let me let me rant on this for just a moment. I, I have nothing to say badly about Eric Gray in this game. I thought he played pretty well. You know, as a rookie we're talking about. I know what he looked like in the preseason, so I know what to expect, etc., they had to justify his roster spot. I've spoken enough on it, on the decision to choose him over Jay Sean Corbin or whatever else, but putting a guy on there that clearly wasn't ready to play on the 53-man roster, they gave him a special teams role. He's not good at it. He needs more than that. He needs to justify his existence. He looked like a running back in this game. He didn't look like a great one, but he looked like a running back in this game, right? He looked like he looked like a running back that had no offensive line to run behind. That's right, and no and no passing game. But to but even that. so, That's like fine. he had there, there was a small holding penalty on Ben Bredesen, not a bad call, but it wasn't a huge hold that really opened up a lane. And on that play, he had a twenty-one yard gain. I'm confident he would have had a twenty-one yard gain had the hold not occurred. Uh, I'm not hundred percent obviously because it happened kind of at the hole, but. He looked good in the plays that he's in. He looked like he understood. He looked like he belonged. He did not look as overwhelmed as he did early on. Um, the offensive line, I'll say this. Look, I don't really know how you come into this game with a plan in terms of depth. I don't know. Um, but it didn't look like they had a plan in case something happened at center, did it? Because there were guys out there, and I had my friend asking me, who is that? And I'm like, I, I don't know who that is. I gotta they be had honest with you. Squad guy out there. Yeah, yeah, they had two practice squad guys well, out there. Well, this is the problem. I mean, we, we, you know, our big concerns in, the, in this off season were just depth, especially at the tackles. And you know, when you don't have a very good offensive line to start with, that implies you have no guys behind them who are going to push them to start, let alone justify roster spots. And you know, when you lose key guys, you know, this is what's going to happen. So. I give them credit for trying. I, did, I didn't sense quit other than maybe Evan no, Neal. me either. But, you know, they're just simply not NFL-quality starting offensive linemen. And when you're in this league, even if you are, you know, a not-so-good defense, if you are not a starter in this league, you are going to – coaches are too smart, players are too smart, and too good – they are going to exploit it very quickly, and that's what happened. There's another element to this, too, in that it's just the sheer number of replacement guys playing right now. Mm. So, like, Evan Neal has been the right tackle always. Penciled in at right tackle at the beginning of the year. He's been the right tackle all the way through. But right guard, center, left guard, and even left tackle, these are all guys 
that are yeah. moving around. So that makes the guys that do know what's going on and how to play the position, it makes them worse. It makes Ben yeah. Bredesen worse at his job. It makes Mark Lewinsky even worse at his job. So even the guys that aren't that bad are going to play worse just by the sheer shockwave of how much you've I, moved around the offensive line. I really don't line. think we have to explain ourselves about this, and neither do the Giants. I mean, yeah. it, this is what it is. This is not baseball. We can all of a sudden make a trade midseason. You know, unfortunately, you can't in the offseason fill every hole at once. They made a decision to make their skill position players better at the risk of not strengthening the depth on this offensive line. For, you know, whatever reason, doesn't matter. But this is where we are. And the worst case scenario happened. Andrew Thomas got hurt. And then, you know, we I, I said this in the beginning of the season. I think we're building on a three, you know, three point thing for the future for this offensive line left tackle center right tackle left tackles out center is out right tackle is a he's a sieve. he just didn't take the step no and you know hindsight's 2020 but you know something go back to that draft everybody in their half a brain takes him then it's just not everybody hits and unfortunately he hasn't hit unfortunate that you know, everybody else is injured. It makes he becomes a scapegoat a bit. People don't want to accept. They feel like injuries are an excuse or something. Well, that injuries are a fact, but there's also a fact that he is a problem there, and it's something that's going to have to be addressed. You know, in this off season, definitely what they're going to do with him because, you know, at some point guys will get healthy on this line. We'll get better. You know, guards will get better. But what are we going to do about this guy? I don't know. So two things I want to bring up uh, on the offensive line, then I want to switch to defense. But I want to yep. know your thoughts. So yep. uh, first of all, I don't need your thoughts on this one. But uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to screw up royally in the press, you can't just write a text apology and you can't just address the media the next day. You got to, like, be pretty fucking good the next week. And this wasn't like a defense where it's like we came into this game like, what are we going to do about this defense? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they have some good pass rushers like Jalen Phillips is pretty fast, whatever. Like, he came out here and looked just as bad as he always did. And he's like the one starter out there. So that's my thought on Evan Neal in particular for the offensive line. You have to be good on – Every single play, you could be, you can't be great on thirty nine. Well, it's just like you don't have to win every rep, but you can't have a rep where you just don't block a guy. Right, because that fortieth, you you may win thirty nine snaps in a row, but if that fortieth snap becomes a meme, which was what happened yesterday, yeah, it doesn't matter about those thirty nine snaps. You have to be perfect, or you have to at least look like you give a shit on every single snap. And maybe that was the only snap where he didn't look he gave a shit. But guess what? That one snap, he looked like he didn't give a shit, and it's all over social media because people are looking. They can't wait. They got blood, bloodthirsty to, to destroy this guy, and they gave them, you know, a filet mignon to eat on. I want to ask your opinion on the other side of the line. Last week, Monday night game, which, by the way, you agree, the Monday night game looked worse than this game, right? You were at both games, so... Considering I, the opponent and considering the end score and considering the performance and considering who was injured going into each game, would you say that they looked better this week than last week? I just felt like 
the level of competition was so much greater this week, it really didn't matter what we were going to do. Based on the level of competition between the two teams, the fact we were at home, the fact we had 11 days off, we looked like much more shit against Seattle than we did Miami. Miami is just, there's nothing you're going to do. You're fa- it's like Alabama facing a low-level SEC team. There's really nothing you're going to do. Superior athletes, a superior scheme, nothing you're going to do about that. You're going to take your lumps. Last uh, Monday night game was just— Monday night game actually felt no like they quit to it me. It felt like they quit. It felt, it felt like they quit in that game. This game, first of all, the defense certainly looked better against a much better offense. And second of all, the offense actually looked like they had a game plan this week. I, I think they didn't look good at the defense, but I don't think it was their fault. I think you're just well, playing it against an elite y- an y- offense. Yes, I think considering the offense, they looked better. But, I mean— the highlight tape is going to look worse against the Dolphins, but it looks bad against everybody. Even a good defense like Buffalo's, they still had plays like this against them. And not for nothing, they only scored 11 more points than they scored against Buffalo. One last uh, thing before you jump in. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I wasn't going to. I didn't even ask the question yet. I want to know your opinion. (laughs) Last week against Seattle, Josh Zudu in the locker room reportedly just kind of sat there fully dressed and stared at the wall. Who is now, by the way, he's playing left tackle. He wasn't drafted to be a tackle, barely played tackle, but he did play it in college. This week, he broke down in tears um, and apologized over and over again because he felt that it was the sack that he gave up that Daniel Jones got hurt on. Um, I'll note that after rewatching the game, it was clearly his worst rep. It almost looked like he tripped. Um, like something clearly happened with his left leg where he didn't kick out wide. He'd never even got a hand on the guy. It was by far and away his worst rep that day, but I didn't think that he was particularly bad. Do you have any thoughts on Josh Azudu putting so much pressure on himself, even though he's playing out of position in the highest possible league, you know, with, with the hardest offensive line job probably, right? Do you have any? I don't know. I'm just curious what yes. you think of that. I want 53 Josh Azudus on my roster. I want people who give a shit so badly that they physically break down and start crying if they don't succeed. The last thing I want is a bunch of entitled babies who are deflecting blame and saying, you know, it was bad coaching or the officials did this or the media is railing on it. Or what does that guy do? He flips hot dogs and hamburgers for a living. Listen, I would like to take Josh Azudu out to dinner tonight and say, I am with you, brother. That is what that is what's missing in today's professional sports. And it is bleeding over to today's college sports. All of these guys now are becoming personal brands and thinking about themselves. The concept of team, the concept of winning is slowly going away. And I see a guy who is putting it on himself to the point he is so upset, it's making him physically sick, making him cry. I salute a guy like that. I would put a C on that guy's uniform because he gives a shit. Thank you, Josh Azudu. Yeah, my only thought was that I I was going to lead with this, but we didn't talk about it all. I wasn't sure if you knew about it. Wanted your thoughts first. But I was going to say stark contrast from Evan Neal. Evan Neal objectively is playing the position he should be pretty good at in his second year at it. And his attitude about playing poorly was mis- and I know it's like one little diatribe that he went on in the entire time he's been here. I acknowledge that. It was literally one day in his Giants tenure that he spoke out of turn, I guess, or whatever. But 
Josh Azudu has every right to be like, look, man, what do you want from me? I, I didn't play tackle really in college, and now I'm in the NFL protecting the blind side, and I, I screwed up. I'm sorry. But he didn't. He just sat there and he took it on himself. He thought it's his fault. Um, I don't know. I Listen, every, every football player who's in the NFL probably up to a certain point has had life given to him on a silver platter. You know, even if you suck in the NFL, you were great in college. You were beyond elite in high school. You were a man among boys when you played peewee. Everybody at some point is that first time where they're going to, you know, experience, uh, you know, conflict and experience, you know, the game just given to them. It's how do you react to it? What What is inside of you? And yeah, maybe Evan Neal, that was a one-time thing that he said, but that's when your character really gets revealed. And again, I don't mean to dump all the, even last week, I was not dumping all the time on Evan Neal. He is a second-year guy. The first time in his life, he's had real adversity. How does he, you know, how does he grow from this? I mean, we're not cutting him tomorrow. I mean, as much as everybody hates his guts, he is a a first-round pick we've invested in. And quite frankly, to his maybe his luck, there's nobody behind him right now who's threatening his job. So, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to mature to get better. And, you know, that's the way it is. Um, but we need more Josh Zudus who give a shit and take every snap, every down, every series, every quarter, every half, every game, every season. Like, this is the most important thing I do. And, uh, you know, yeah, start a Josh Zudu. Flipping over to the defense. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I, I have a fart. Got it. And this might sound like a rerun, but I am giving a fart to Tyrod Taylor. Oh, okay. Deserved. Because I, you've all heard me multiple times voice my displeasure with Tyrod Taylor. I feel like Tyrod Taylor is using his roster spot on this team to audition to get one more shot of being a starting quarterback in this league. And when uh, Daniel Jones went down, I know we were down 15 at that point, maybe. For an offense that can't move anyway with Daniel Jones, for all intents and purposes, this game is basically over. The last thing Tyrod Taylor should be doing is trying to extend plays, taking contact, doing anything, because if he gets hurt, and he gave us all a monster scare. If he goes down, we have a no quarterback on this roster, and we have Tommy DeVito in the practice squad. And if anybody wants him in a in an NFL game, just because his name is fucking Tommy DeVito when he's in New Jersey, it would be a nightmare situation. Tyrod Taylor, your job on this team is to be the backup quarterback. The backup quarterback means in an emergency, you have to play. If it's for one series, run the offense. If we don't know what's wrong with Daniel Jones, and he could be out for two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks this season, don't act like fucking Superman. And I apologize to Ron and everybody who think I curse too much or we curse too much. I'm sorry. Your job is to just 
game manage, get us through this game, and let's assess what the story is with this season. Because this season, you think the season's over now? If Tyrod Taylor got hurt trying to extend to get a first down in a game, this game is over. This team goes one in fifteen the rest of the way, and we don't. And that means we're probably drafting a quarterback where all you motherfuckers are going to get off this roster next year. So. You get a fart because you're doing exactly what I don't like him to be doing on this, as long as he's been on this team. You're a backup quarterback. Run the offense. Get us through to the next game. Well said. I'm with you. 100%. Sorry, Ron. <laughs> uh, flipping over to the defense, I thought, you know, I, I'm not going to elaborate too much. We've, we've kind of mixed the defense and offensive talk together. But yeah. altogether, I thought the defense played pretty well. This was always going to be a game where if they had – there was no way it was going to be less than 450 yards of offense, right? There's just no way. Even even if we were, but you have an you have an offense that can't control the clock, which means Miami's going to get the ball more, and they're a great offense with not just fast players, but really talented fast players and a really brilliant head coach that knows how to put these guys in not just the best position to succeed, but unorthodox and strange positions that it's not exactly a trend that we see elsewhere in the NFL. They're 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 you know, surprise play. They're not really trick plays, but they are schematically creative in ways that you don't see a lot of and you're not prepared for. So this was always going to be a game where they were going to blow up the stat box. That being said, they passed test number one. They're not the worst defense in the league because they didn't let up 70 points. Check, check one. That's number one. Number two, they generated turnovers for the first time this year against a great offense. Not just one, not just two, three, nearly four, nearly five. They almost had another pick at another point. And like I said before, they did cause a fumble on Raheem Mostert. It's just that it went out of bounds. This defense came alive. Um, they had, they're unfortunately playing a team where one missed assignment equals 70 yards. But that just is what they were playing this week. And they had to minimize that as much as possible. I will admit that they did not minimize that as much as possible. In particular, I'm going to point out two players who were burned more than once. Because I think if you're grading on a curve in which, well, it's the Dolphins, then everyone gets one. Uh, then Dane Belton and Isaiah Simmons had more than one. So far this year, Isaiah Simmons to me looks not like he's super out of position or that he doesn't have the athleticism that we hoped or anything like that. It's just that he looks very blockable. He can't get off blocks. He's too thin. He's too weak. I don't know what it is. He doesn't have that forward thinking mentality. But his big thing is he's right there in the hole and it's almost like one arm on one of his shoulders blows him out of a play. He's right in position and he just can't get free to make a play. Dane Belton has at least the um, excuse in being that he's a very young player. It's kind of crazy how much playing time he had last year. I think that spoke more to the roster than it did to his abilities. But Dane Belton was taking bad angles. He lost contain a couple of times. And he missed two really huge tackles where they were in the hole and were either a no gain or a tackle for loss and ended up being big gains. So those were my two farts i am going to give a start to jason pinnock i don't know how you can so defense in general played pretty well uh he scored the points it was at the biggest moment and he kept us in the game that was on the verge of being a runaway game and in my opinion that 14 point swing kept this team together 
Uh, offense was kind of struggling, but they were putting some pressure on. There was at no point a three and out in the first half. Um, they were getting first downs, which right away, not having a three and out in the first half is already better than anything they put in the first half in, against Seattle. Way right. better. Can I counterpoint? You are you are ready to go. Oh, I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, first thing, you know, you said expecting 450 yards of offense. Well, we gave up 500 yards of offense in three quarters. So it was worse than what we were kind of hoping for. It, no, I said it would never be less than that. Yeah, but that was worse. <laughs> was, honestly, um, let me ask you something. Based on Wink Martindale being here, based on, would you say our defense is relatively healthy? I would say that the Aziz Ojolari injury is a big one. Okay. And he only played half this game, but other than that, they are healthy. Okay. Would you say that by, you know, the 17-18-22nd game into the Wink Martindale defense that this defense should be better than well, they're not the worst defense in the league? Should we be expecting more out of this defense? I, that- I, I'm going to agree with that up until this game, but I'm not going to include this stat line in this game. They had three turnovers in this game, and it's a crazy I, offense. I'm not going to—I will say yes up until this game, but I'm not going to include this game in that in that comment. I, I mean, I fully expected, and it was my biggest nightmare, that you know, in the back end, in the secondary, they were going to get destroyed. We have, you know— and you don't even you can't even realize how fast these guys are until you actually see it in person. All of these guys are fast as the wind. My God, I mean, I, I've been to college games where it's a mismatch. I, mean, I, I was at the uh, the SEC game when Bama played Florida in 2020, and they and and Waddle was on that uh, on that team. And they, my God, the speed was everywhere. I've never seen in person an NFL team as fast as this team, but. So I expected I expect them to throw for a thousand yards and guys being wide open all over the place and big chunk yards. I'm just continuing to be mystified and disappointed by their running game and these guys just gashed this defensive line and these linebackers and guys are getting to the second level and just taking off almost at will and that's what's really disappointing. I understand that this is an extreme level of offense that puts a lot of pressure on everything, but you know, I was hoping by this point this defense would be something that's like, okay, you know, maybe this defense should be like what the signature of this team should be. And we've given up a lot of points this year and a lot of yards that I, I, I just expected by this point the defense to be better. We paid a lot of money, you know, for for, for Leonard Williams, for, um, you know, Dexter Lawrence, we paid for, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just frustrated that this defense should be better than it is. They've been, you know, I understand that the point total was down and we finally got some turnovers. Turnovers are also a little bit random too, but they're, they're putting themselves in position to cause turnovers, which is great. But I need this defense to be more than, well, they're not the worst in the league. And right now I feel like it's, well, they're not the worst in the league. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I'm I'm upset with their uh, run defense just as much as you. Um, we fully expected going into this season. We made the commitment we're gonna have. We're gonna be very young in the back end. We're gonna take our lumps. We accept that, and I'm not at all. I'm not giving any farts to any corner. I'm not giving farts to you know the secondary. I actually almost gave a star to Deontay Banks. Yeah, I mean they're doing the best they can, and you know something. This is going to pay dividends. You know, going playing the best of the best. So I, I'm, I'm. That's not like oh my god, these guys suck. These guys suck. These guys suck. It's just, you know, okay. You, you're so concerned about you know, they, and and the the offense is so unusual, but when they're just running simple, you know, running plays and they're just getting gashed. It's. I I mean I don't think that their running plays are simple. They they certainly were successful. I'm not going to defend the way the defense played the run. Certainly not. But I think that they're an unart like there's like some plays where they have like three offensive linemen already moving to the second level like incredibly fast. They had like three or four different reverse plays that were really weird where they're pulling all kinds of like they had like all five linemen like downfield on this crazy looking reverse early on in the game. It was it was wild. They were um, also missing their left tackle, weren't they? Yeah, and that's why I'm not like hyping that's why I didn't give a star to Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I I don't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him a star, but I, 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 he's I'm clearly he's stepping up. Yes, yeah. but but it wasn't star worthy. He was playing no. against a backup, so whatever. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but just in general, I thought that the defense is kind of they're coming along, and I think that had this been not this, I mean, like some of the acquisitions that they had that were brought in to stop the run didn't play a whole lot because they weren't in base defense, just based on schematically what Miami had out there. So like Ashawn Robinson had something like less than five snaps. So, I mean, like there's just certain levels of like, I have to sympathize with Wink. I don't know how you really set up for an offense like this. Um, Had this game been the one in the vacuum where, you know, they gave up 500 yards, I could say, well, you know, shit. Um, but it's not in a vacuum. It's alongside what has been a disappointing defense this year. They clearly looked better to the eye, to me, against a tougher opponent this week than they did the other four. I mean, they looked pretty pathetic in some other weeks against lesser offenses. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I mean, that I, Dallas I, offense is not this offense at that's all. Gonna, that's going to be perception things. I, I really, th- I just thought they were just completely outclassed. And yeah, I well, they, I mean, I, I, I literally they, just rewatched it, though. They did the best they could, but it was just like, you know, again, I can't, I hate to keep using college analogies, but it really felt like if Bama was playing, you know, a mid-major where they just so much talent, there's really nothing you can do. Well, it's just because they were just scoring in, like, one big shot. But Yeah, but we, we, we had nice long drives, too. Yes. I mean, the, yeah, we were getting first downs, and we were not only getting first downs, it was like third and three first down. So it was I agree, yeah. Three plays, three plays, three plays, and they were consciously eating like the uh, the play clock. It was going down. To, there was no attempt at all, and I'm glad they weren't. There was no attempt for you know, uh, a no huddle up pace. It was, we're going to bleed this clock, and I was just like, oh, my God, somebody actually listens to this podcast. They're doing what I want. So if I, that's what I said about the double move that Darren Waller ran. I said it like at that kid's house. anyway. I have no fi- I have no more thoughts on this game. This game was a goddamn mess. It was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Um, the Daniel Jones injury, we don't have any news on it right now, so I guess we'll just talk about that as it becomes. I haven't heard anything awful immediately. That's a good sign. 
usually, uh, I mean, like with Matt Milano in the Bills game, we knew at like 11 in the morning that he had yeah. a torn ACL and his season's over. Um, so we'll see right now. I'm just going to assume that he's okay because the last we heard is Daniel Jones said, I'll be okay. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see, but um, that's all I have to go off of right now. Yeah, I mean, I, we go with they saying what we go with coach speak is, but until we get to the actual report, um, I am just a negativist, and I am fearing the worst. I'm fearing – because he, he said it was it felt similar to it did the last time. And, again, he's not a doctor, but he also knows his body. So I'm hoping – I am hoping it was just a bad hit, and it's going to be sore, and he can play with a tolerance of pain, but – if he's not, we are going up to Buffalo next weekend, and uh, I don't know what we're doing. I don't. We have to get our heads examined. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if there's going to be an episode or not. We're going to try. I don't really have the capability remotely to do this. It might be – we might have a show, but it might just not uh, have it, our normal, normal layout format. and stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. Might, it might just look a little different. It might yeah. sound a little different, but uh, we're gonna do our best to make it happen. But we'll be on the road, so. Uh, well, if if you if you don't hear from us between now and game time, and you are planning to go to Buffalo, reach out to us on social media because we really, we need all the support we can get out there. I mean, I I took my knocks this week in Miami. I'm, I I must have a screw loose in my head for going up to Buffalo again, um, but we have a tailgate to go to. I have a, a friend of mine. Um, from Buffalo, the nicest guy in the universe, and he will uh, he invited us to go. So, let us know if you're going up there, and we'll try to meet up. So, yeah, please, 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 because uh, I was hoping that there would be more, but it's as far as I know, just us. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure if there will be a Friday morning preview episode against the Bills. I'm gonna try my best. Uh, so make sure you follow. Make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever, so that it's just in your inbox Friday morning. You don't have to think twice about it or look it up or anything like that. It'll just be ready. Yeah. And, uh, and if you just have Twitter, you can follow at Just Giants Pod to see if an episode's posted as well. And tell a friend. Tell other Giant fans that you know also. I think we've we've had a nice little bump in subscriptions lately and uh, comments on on YouTube and, and on Twitter and everything. So, you know. Tell a friend, if you're a Giant fan, let's build our community up. You know, we love talking to all of you guys. We love meeting everybody at the tailgates, at the Meadowlands, and even on road trips and stuff. So, um, you know, we, we do this for you guys. We, we don't get paid. Um, we just, we're Giant fans, and that's all we are. So we'd like to meet all of you as much as we can. So, And if you want, you can talk to us on Twitter as well, at the Cranky Fan at football underscore rump. Um, and we will see you guys soon. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.